This is an ABC podcast. Start your weekend the right way with Joe Trilling. Saturday breakfast on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Hello, hello. Now you're in Kalgoorlie, is that right? I am indeed. I'm glad to hear I'm, your voice. Ah, um, uh, yes, I know. We're just we're just having a, a, a couple of um, couple of little issues here, but I'm sure it'll be sorted out in no time at all, Joe. And before we get on to gardening, I do want to ask you, I've been speaking this morning about epic walking adventures. Molly uh, had a chat to a bloke who's about to walk from Kalamunda to Albany. So people have been sharing their walking adventures. Have you ever done one of those long walks, the El Camino or the Cape to Cape? Um, I did the Cradle Mountain Lake Sinclair walk. In Tasmania? Uh, in Tassie, yeah. And I've done bits and pieces of the Biblaman, but not the entire one. Uh, but I love a long walk. Oh, and I did Cape to Cape years ago. Um, there's, there's something, it takes, I reckon it takes two days before you fall into the zone of just absolute bliss. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, on to the questions for you. Yeah. On the text 0437922720, someone is asking about their blueberries. It's starting to get buds, but have they missed the opportunity to divide it? Um, if it is getting its fruit on, you definitely don't want to divide it up now because all that fruit will drop. And any fruit that may be coming during the autumn will also, that's going to drop. So they're better off leaving it now until fruiting finishes. Okay. Another question on text. We're removing a row of screen masters that have been overtaken by awful insects. What should we do before we plant them, plant anything else in the same spot to ensure the new plants survive? Okay, so what's happening is the um, the bug that that hits those phytosporums is um, is um, it's uh, they're going to be hanging around. So I wouldn't put phytosporums back in the same place. I would um, I just make sure that you've got. Um, a different different species so you don't really need to do anything else but once you take those shrubs out then you need to get a bit of compost back in there um, some slow release fertilizer wetting agent and the potosterum bug only goes to potosterum so just make sure you don't put that plant back in it's 13 past nine on ABC Radio Perth and WA. We do have a few lines free, so you can call Sabrina on 1300 720 with your questions. Now, Belinda from Belmont has texted in, Sabrina. She says, yeah. we have a hibiscus tilia sus. Oh, my goodness, I've probably completely butchered that. That, that was, that was really wood. close, Joe. <laughs> cotton that wood. was really close. Let's, Let's just, just call, call it cotton, it cotton wood. <laughs> It's in her garden bed by a retaining yep. wall. She's a bit concerned that it may cause damage to the wall in the future should they remove it. Well, well, they get very, very large, but their roots are sort of quite sappy. So I, I've never heard of cottonwoods pushing over walls. Um, so I think they should be okay. One way of controlling the root growth is controlling the upper growth. So just give it a damn good pruning once a year. 
Okay, so you can leave the cottonwood there. That's that's good news. Uh, Deb has texted in and she's got an acacia that's been very attractive to ants since planting as tube stock about 18 months ago. It hasn't flowered. It's been pruned, but she doesn't seem to be able to see what the ants are harvesting and the new uh-huh. growth appears to be deformed. Are you able to help her with that? Yep, definitely. So uh, now, some of those smaller acacias are really susceptible to mealybug or a, or a scale that they get, and sometimes you don't notice it when the scale is at its juvenile infant stage. So um, that need to be needs to be sprayed with a pest oil or a neem oil, and then do it again in 12 days' time to get the second lot of um, the second generation. So the ants are there because they're milking the honeydew from the scale and they move the scale around so that they have new feeding grounds. So once you get rid of the scale, then you get rid of the ants. Hopefully that's helped you, Deb. Let's have a chat to Di, who is in Hillary's. Good morning, Di. Hello, Di. How are you? What's your question? You've got a fig tree? Yes, and it's um, producing, still producing heaps of figs and it's, you know, huge sideways mm. particularly and I want to chop it off but because there's yeah. still so many figs on it, even though obviously they're ripening at a very slow rate, yeah. um, can I just, it's just getting ridiculous, it's so late, can I chop it off without <laughs> hurting it? <laughs> yeah, of course you can. Uh, I've noticed that most of the figs are putting on the autumn crop now but it is sort of a very late autumn crop so there's no problem we usually prune in uh, when they're dormant in winter but look I pruned mine last week and it was the same it had you know packed with crop but um, I won't be here in winter so I've pruned it now and it's not going to do any harm. Okay, beautiful. And I've I've got bananas as well. Um, I've got a banana hand that's popped up and the baby mm-hmm. behind it is just about grown so high it's pushing the one with the hand on um, and right. it's looking a bit sick. Shall I just chop the one with the hand off and hope that the... Yeah, the yeah definitely. I would. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks. So you've got a lot of chopping to do. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun with your chopping. <laughs> Die. It is 20 past nine on ABC Perth and WA. Sabrina, are you there? Yes, I am, Joe. Are you there? Because <laughs> I can hear you and you can hear me and everything is marvellous. It is. Let's give this another go and have a chat to... What is your name? How about you just tell me what your name is? Good morning. Oh, my name is Trisha. Trisha, what's your question for Sabrina? Okay, Sabrina, hello. Um, hello I'm calling Trisha. from <laughs> I'm calling from Karatha. Now I'm having a problem with passion fruit. We yeah. have a beautiful passion fruit vine that's growing wild, but no yeah. fruit. We have had previous ha- fruit, but nothing yeah. now. Okay, so how old is the passion fruit vine now, Trisha? I'd say about two years. Okay, so it's still got many years left in it, one would hope. There's a couple of things. Number one is I know that termites love passion fruit vines up around Karatha. 
number two, it may be that it's exhausted all the fertiliser that you've given it and it needs um, another boost. Or number three, it can be large climatic changes or storms or heavy downpours or things like that. So it can be... Okay, um, we have had a lot of rain, but yeah, it's well that, the... That, yeah, the foliage is taking over. It's everywhere, but just no fruit. Ah, uh, so you don't think it's gone back to its rootstock, do you? Is the leaf different? No, no. no it no, hasn't dried off. Leaf. Yeah, it hasn't yeah, gone off anything. It's taking right. over the fence, the, the garage roof, everything, but just no uh, fruit. Um, oh, it's very healthy. <laughs> my husband um, wants to chop it down. <laughs> Oh no! Look, oh, yeah, it, I knew you'd um, say that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I think that's a bit, that's a bit harsh. Uh, <laughs> no, give it, a, give it a really good dose of fertilizer with high potassium. Okay, yes. Because you've had a lot of rain, it might be that it's actually washed out all the nutrients. So you just may need to fertilize it a bit more. Wonderful. We will try that, mm. Sabrina, before we go chopping it down. <laughs> Marvelous. Give that a crack. Good luck with that passion fruit vine there, Trish. Good morning, Helen. What's your question for Sabrina? Oh, I have a sad rose. Well, the rose isn't real sad, but it's changed colour. My Pierre de Roseanne has gone white. Oh. And it's very sad because I love the pink. The pink in it. Um, look, if you've had chilli thrips, in your rose bush, that can actually change the colour because they suck all the sap out of the bud. I wouldn't be too concerned about it, Helen, because um, there's been a lot of pest issues this year with roses. And because Pierre de Ronsard has the, the parents, there's a white and a, and a pink, I think you'll find that it will return to its former glorious self um, after the thrips have all buggered off and died, hopefully, um, I think you'll find in spring you'll you'll get the the correct colour back. Good luck with your roses, Helen. I hope that they recover. Now, Dee's in Denmark, Sabrina, and has a mm. question for you. Morning, Dee. Good morning. Um, yes, my question is about my potted begonias. I got I got a begonia from my mum. She had a begonia that was looking very sad in a pot and yeah. she gave it to me and um, I put it on my veranda and it was doing really well and then I saw about six months ago you posted a picture of your begonia on your veranda yeah. and I got serious begonia envy because it was beautiful <laughs> and and mine's the, I'm pretty sure mine's the same one as yours, only it's not okay. anywhere near as big. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that inspired me, and this one's doing really well. So then I've bought a few others, and I've potted them, and, and they're still on my veranda, but they're just not doing as well as that one. That's really robust, uh, and these are a little bit softer. Yeah. And, and sometimes when they put out it, it, I don't know if I'm giving them too much love, watering them too much, or what they're doing, but sometimes they sort of rot off, and the, and the yeah. leaves... Come off easily, so I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, D, that is definitely too much watering. 
So the thing with begonias is they're actually a really good plant to have for busy people because you need to let them dry out in between watering because uh, they actually store a lot of water in those stems. So most people lose begonias because they just water them too much. So that, that beautiful one of mine in a pot only gets watered once or twice a week. And the other thing is about getting the right spot. They actually require quite a bit of light. So morning sun is really good for them or dappled light. They don't like the afternoon sun. But unless they get enough light, they don't flower profusely. But I reckon you need to cut right back on your watering day. Good luck with that, Dee. Let's have a chat to Herb. Morning, Herb. You've got some trouble with your beans, is that right? Yes. Good, mo- uh, good morning, ladies. Um, yeah, uh, we, we've got uh, some, some beans, um, one, one in a pot and uh, some, some directly in the ground where we, we had uh, tomatoes before. And yeah. uh, we've had some parrots that have, that have nipped one lot of flowers off. I, I threw a, um, a bird net over the top, but the uh, the flowers aren't coming back, and the leaves are starting to get a bit of a mottled look. So we're just wondering if there's these uh, um, um, nematode issues, or if there's something else going on. Okay, so the the mottled leaf is a worry because beans can get thing they can get viruses. Um, and they can also get fungal disease. So number one, what I would do is spray your beans with Mancozeb just to ward off any early disease issues. If they do have nematodes, you'll find that the beans will wilt very easily um, and the growth will be stunted. There's no way of telling really until you pull the bean up and have a look at the root but the other problem with beans is they form those those nitrogen nodules, so you may think that the nodules are root, not nematode, and it's not at all. But I'd go to I'd spray them with the fungicide with with the mancozeb spray first, and then go from there. Now beans won't produce flowers when temperatures are too high, and we have had warm weather. So don't give up on them. As we're getting cooler nights now, you'll find that they will reflower. Herb, I hope you get your beans growing again well. Donna, you are in Bustleton. What did you want to ask Sabrina about? Morning, Donna. Oh, hi. I'm actually in Mosman Park, but um, <laughs> I was just wondering... Well, not far, not far from Bustleton. Well, you just know, a just quick a two-and-a-half-hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this rogue pumpkin plant that's popped up in the garden, obviously from something I've buried in there. And it's managed to grow quite a bit and it's got one little pumpkin on it like the size of a golf ball. And I was wondering, am I just hoping in vain that something might happen to that (laughs) or is powdery mildew going to knock it off so I just cut my losses? Well, I would, you know what I'd do is I'd get that uh, bicarbonate soda spray and spray the leaves because you will definitely get powdery mildew at this time of the year. Now, the little tiny baby pumpkin, lift it up and put it on a brick or put it on something that's not soil so it doesn't rot. It's a matter of trying to keep the leaf, the leaves on the pumpkin 
going long enough to feed the actual pumpkin. Pumpkins grow really fast and we've got beautiful warm days, so you may be okay, Donna, but definitely get a fungicide onto the, the, the pumpkin leaves. Otherwise, your pumpkin just won't develop. Now, Sabrina, Mary is in Bustleton. Ah, Have I got that right? Mary's Good morning, Mary. <laughs> we must be up early. I have two quick questions. I have days and I had given to me and I left them in the pot and they flowered and they're about six tall. Do I leave them in the pot or can I put them in the ground? I would, you can leave them in the pot or put them in the ground, Mary, but I think they're, if you put them in the ground, then you won't forget they're there and they'll just pop up. If you leave them in a pot and they're bone dry and you forget they're there, they may die. So I'd put them out in the ground. Okay, thank you. And the other question is hollyhocks. Do I transplant them or or do they stay put? Oh, no, no. You can transplant them when they're really little, but not once they get to about 30 centimetres. Okay, so once you plant them, they're best to stay in the same pot. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Yep, yep. Good luck. That with, was easy. <laughs> that easy, that was easy. easy. Good luck with that, Mary. It is. You know? Do you know, Joe? Um, in Kalgoorlie, I have never seen hollyhocks really? so beautiful as the hollyhocks that come up every year at the Kalgoorlie Racecourse. And I collected seed from the hollyhocks there whenever I lived here, which is like thirty years ago. Um, and I still have those hollyhocks in my in my garden today from, from the Kalgoorlie racetrack. Oh. Yeah, from the seeds, just generation after generation. Wow. And I'm 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 up here giving a talk at eleven o'clock at a nursery of all places, um, and I'm going to talk about the adaptation of plants to different areas because Kalgoorlie is so dry. Well, actually, it's had a fair bit of rain lately, but it's a dry heat. Hollyhocks do so well up here. So if you want to know more about hollyhocks growing in Kalgoorlie, come and see me at 11 o'clock. I'm at a nursery. Right now, though, it is uh, 29 to 10 on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Now, Sabrina, what is your pick of the week this week? Oh, well, I, I'm going back a few years, Joe, to one of my favourite bands, Florence and the Machine, and uh, Never Let Me Go, just like a hollyhock seed. Looking up from underneath fraction. On the text, Deb says, loving the beautiful voice of Florence. I couldn't agree more, Deb. That was a great pick. I concur with your choice this week heartedly, Sabrina. Ah, thank you, Jo. She's quite magnificent. Yeah, she's got the most amazing voice. Indeed. Now, a question for you on text 0437922720. Bella from White Gum Valley says, Hello, ladies. How much can I trim a geisha girl three metre high hedge? It's also quite neglected. What's the best fertiliser and when should she apply? Okie doke. Now, the good thing is about that Geranta geisha girl is you can prune it to within literally an inch of its life. So you can prune that down to uh, below a metre uh, all the way around 
And uh, because it flowers on and off all year, you can actually fertilize it all year round. So prune it first. I'd take two thirds off it, get a wetting agent onto it, then apply fertilizer because it will make lots of new growth during the winter. Um, and with that, uh, that gerantia, I would fertilize it once every four months. Brilliant. Now, Mike has called in from Fremantle. You've been growing some corn, Mike. Yes, good morning, ladies. Morning, um, Mike. Sab- Sabrina, um, mm-hmm. I've got a veggie garden here in Frio. Um, yeah. And I've been growing corn um, for the last couple of seasons. Um, so I went and bought a packet of seed and planted yeah. it. And last season, um, all of the plants had two ears of corn. Mm-hmm. Okay, so after I harvested the corn, I kept some seed from those plants. And yeah. I've planted that this season. But this season, each plant has only one ear of corn. Um, mm. Can you explain why that would be? Yep, that would be because a couple of reasons. Number one, the corn may be a hybrid. So it's gone back to maybe it's one of the parent plants, um, whatever's in the gene line. Uh, the other thing could be that the uh, the soil needs replenishing. You may need to improve the soil with some more compost and manure and fertiliser. So it might be that the amount of nutrients isn't there this year that was there last year, or more than likely it's a combination of both things. So corn has been hybridised for hundreds of years, and sometimes when you save the corn, unless it's a really old variety, you may get different um, different strains coming through. Um, and also the growing season, you know, corn loves really hot weather, Had certainly had plenty of that, and it loves humidity and we've had plenty of that. So I think the weather conditions have been great for corn this year, not so much for people perhaps, but um, I think it could be that, that it's the gene pool plus the fact that you have to replenish the soil every year and corn is a really hungry feeder like it really sucks up all the all the organic nutrients and fertilizer mike i hope you have some luck getting that corn to grow a bit better it's 20 to 10 on abc radio perth and wa let's head to baldivis yana what's your question for sabrina good morning ladies um sabrina i've got a hi I've got a um, medium-sized, I think it's a eucalypt because it's got long, slender um, leaves on it, native tree. And about yeah. 40 centimetres 40 centimeters off the ground, I noticed some bulbs appearing. And they spread. And now from the bulbs, there's this liquid oozing. looks like honey and it's quite viscous. And I'm just wondering whether my tree is doomed or not. Um, I reckon you've got borer. And the the swelling around there that's oozing is the tree's reaction to having a borer. Um, so the the lumpy bits are they coming? Are they up the trunk a bit or right at ground yes, level? Yes, they are. They're, they're up, up the trunk up a bit. The trunk. Yeah. And yeah, I reckon to spread horizontally around the trunk. 
Right, okay. So I reckon you've got a borer and that's the, the plant's reaction. Take a, try and clear the sap a bit or the, the oozing gum and have a look and see if you can see a hole underneath that gum because uh, if you can, that's borer. Now, it's very difficult to treat because you have to inject the tree with a pesticide and sometimes that's enough to actually kill a young tree. So there's not too much you can do about it apart from find a hole, fill a syringe up with some um, veggie oil, some a couple of drops of dishwashing detergent and water and squeeze the syringe into the hole to try and flush the grub out. My goodness, so you're actually almost washing the tree internally. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're giving it um, a little colonic sort of. <laughs> oh, Yana, good, good luck with that. Uh, we're heading to Byford now, Sabi. Uh, let's have a chat to Eileen. Yep. Eileen, what's your question for Sabrina? Oh, hi, Sabrina. Um I noticed yesterday there was this thing in the garden, like a pretty ugly critter. Yep. And, um, That'll be a mole, I, mole cricket. I think yeah, they're the ugliest, yeah, poor oh. things. I do feel for yeah, them. Really. They're so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> My partner told me he's a pest. Is that right? Well, what mole crickets do is they burrow in the ground and they chew the root system of plants. But look, I've had, everyone has mole crickets and they mistake them for frogs at night time. But you would need to have like hundreds of them to be major damage. Um, the magpies come down and eat mine, so I leave them there for magpie food. I wouldn't, you, you know, you'd have to drench the soil with a pesticide to get rid of them anyway. And then if the birds eat them, then it makes the birds really ill. I wouldn't worry about them, well, in all honesty. There you go, Eileen. <laughs> They're very ugly, but just leave them alone. Yeah, fair yep. thought for them. Um, I have to tell you, Sabrina, that Steph has texted in and says, Morning, ladies. Your caller, Mike, who was asking you about his corn, had the most beautiful mm-hmm. radio voice. It made her melt. Oh. Isn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> Steph, we'll have to try and get him back on the wireless so you can listen. Yeah, that's right. We'll have to get him back. He'll have to ring every week, John. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Janet, you're in Northbridge. What did you want to ask Sabrina about? Yes, good morning, Sabrina. Um, I feel a bit spooked actually speaking to you because I wrote you a nice long text and sent you photos. I've seen it to the wrong person who probably oh. texted me back and said, you haven't texted the ABC. And um, I'm so glad that I called, but here I am. Right. I've, so I've got yellowing leaves in our whatever mm-hmm. it's called, V-I-B-U-R-A-N-U-M suspensum hedge. Oh, yeah, Viburnum suspensum, yep. Yep. Yep, so okay. So what's... what's Sorry, keep going. Yep, I can see that some of them are yellow. Some of them have still got the green vein in them. So that's an iron and manganese deficiency, Janet. So you need to get trace elements onto them. 
um, or uh, you know, or fertilise them with a better fertiliser than what you're using now. There's a liquid trace element spray that you spray the foliage with, and that's taken up immediately. So, um, you know, we forget that the soil gets depleted after five or six years. So with that, with Perth soil, you have to keep adding compost, a little bit of clay once every five years, but compost every year, some manure and fertilise. And those trace element deficiencies, we have to put on a foliar trace element to, to deal with the deficiency. So if you just do that, that's going to make an enormous difference. It's quarter to ten on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Now Sharon is in Woodvale and has a question about frangipanis. Good morning, Sharon. Hi, Sabrina. I've got a, a frangipani I've had for about six years. It was a branch given to me by a friend. And it flowered the first year. Uh, the second year was a bit better. And each year there have been more flowers. This year, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Oh. I don't know what's happened. Um, and you haven't changed It's always been anything? so gorgeous. And um, uh, it is in the shade in winter, but um, it's always thrived. And it's you know got plenty of leaves and everything like that. I don't know whether I need to fertilise it or what. Yeah, I, I would definitely fertilise it. If you're not getting any flowers, Sharon, it means that it, there's just not enough there. I mean, it will produce leaves, but there's not enough oomph for it to produce the flowers. So I would fertilise it. I mean, it's too late now, but I would start fertilising the frangie in September so that the flowers develop by November. Um, that's, that's your best bet. And make sure you, that you get one with high potassium. Can I tell you a funny story about frangipani, Sabrina? Yes. I got cuttings from a friend. I let them dry out for a bit, popped them in pots. One went bananas and the other two, I don't know if the dog was messing with them and I thought, oh, these haven't worked. So I threw them around the side of the house to put out on the Verge collection when that happened. Totally yeah. forgot about them. Months later, went, oh, my gosh. They're growing and they're flowering. They were just lying <laughs> along the side of the house and – Clearly that level of neglect is what they needed, so I promptly got them back out and stuck them in the ground and now they're going gangbusters. Uh, see, this just goes to prove how tough frangipanis are. They're pretty remarkable, aren't they? I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, it's 12 to 10 on ABC Radio, Perth and WA. Let's have a chat to Mandy Bramford, who is the WA Naturalist Club. She's got a, a lecture on today. She's from the WA Naturalist Club. Just mm. let me get her... Mandy, are you there? Oh, I'll just try and find her again. While we're doing that, let's have a chat to Sharon. We've spoken to to Kay, who's in Warnborough. Kay, what was your question? Hi, hi, Joe. Not Warnborough, Port Kenny. Hi, Sabrina. Hello, Kay. How are you, Abby? I'm good. Uh, It's me kangaroo paws, Dal. Yeah. And I went to a nursery and they said to me, you can't manure them now till August. And the bad, bad heat that really come really knocked them about and I had to yeah. cut them off. They died by January, by, by December. And I'm thinking, this is not right. Something's not right. I've got to get hold of me girl and see if she can help. <laughs> 
Well, um, it has been a pretty rugged year, but kangaroo paws should be able to survive. Now, what makes the big difference is we all prune our kangaroo paws right down to 10 centimetres every autumn, and that helps them develop a better root system that helps them cope with the summer. But, Kay, mm-hmm. even in midsummer, you're going to have to water them once a week. Because I've got a boar. Oh, you've got a boar, so you can. I've got a boar, and they get three days. They get Monday, Thursday, and Saturday. Okay. Well, they that might be a bit too much water for them, Kay. Oh, right. Hard. Well, I'm going to have to... Oh. Been... Yeah. Might I might have to cut, cut the water back a little bit. Yeah. they Twice a week is plenty, Kay. Okay. Now, it's too late to manure them? Um, no, not at all. Not, not at all? all. I, I just use a, a, a native fertiliser. I don't use any yeah. of the others because I was told you can't do that because they're natives. You can't put any other yeah. manure. So well, just a little bit anyway. of native fertiliser around them and yep. hopefully they might uh, come I reckon, come, I, reckon, I reckon they'll come good, Kay. Good luck with those, Kay. Now let's try and have a chat to Mandy again. Mandy, are you there? Hello, Joe. Oh, yes, I am we've here. Got you. Wonderful. Mandy Banford from the WA ah. Naturalist Club. Now, you've got a lecture on today, Mandy. Uh, well, actually, Tuesday evening. And uh, yes, you can get to hear Sabrina talking about habitat um, for wildlife, which is really exciting. Uh, and yeah. she's doing that, yeah, for the WA Naturalist Club. And it's a fundraiser for students of natural history. So, our up and coming students who are going to study, study wildlife. So, um, it's on at UWA. And it'll be an awful lot of fun, as things with Sabrina always are. <laughs> and and it's a it's a topic that's really really right up my sleeve, Mandy, because I think that as a as a gardener, I think it's really good for all gardeners to give back to nature. And what better people to mix with than Mandy and Mike Bamford? I say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awfully nice of you. But I think that's right. You know, people's gardens are, if you look at the private land in, in Perth, that's where a lot of the, the possibility for looking after wildlife is. So what people mm. do in their gardens is really, really important. So, um, yeah, we're, it's really excited to have you along and, and it's just so great to be able to help out all those young Seventy students who want to come and study wildlife. So very exciting. <laughs> And and look, you well, can book through the the um, WA Naturalist Club website is the easiest way. Um, so yeah, book online, and and come and hear Sabrina because that's going to be so exciting and fun, as you say, and Mandy, and fun. <laughs> and I think it's really it's great to see all the Seventy students coming through, who are you know they're going to be the caretakers of the planet for the next generation and hopefully do a far better job than what my generation have done. Well, yes, all of us, absolutely. And there are just some (laughs) such exciting, fun, interested students. It is. It's really nice to give them some encouragement. So that's next Tuesday night, 7.30. Come on down, UWA. Thanks so much for that, Mandy. It's 8 to 10 on ABC Radio Perth and WA. We'll go back to the calls on 1300 720. And Bev is in Bakers Hill. Morning, Bev. Hi, how are you? You've got an issue Morning, with your Bev. oranges. 
Yes, I do. I, um, I've got a Washington Naval, and this year the oranges... Um, are dropping off when they're sort of half ripe and they're very thick skinned and lumpy skin. Oh, on them. that's the, not the good. peel is all lumpy. Yeah, what does yeah. that? Okay, so well, there are things like mites that can get onto the skin, but they're not lumpy, lumpy. So I reckon that your orange um, may be reverting back to one of its um, to its graft. Uh, look, oranges are dropping this year because we've had, you know, it's been hot, 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 humid, humid, humid and very windy. So a lot of people are experiencing fruit fall at this time of the year. But if the skin on your oranges is going really thick and lumpy, then I would say that the rootstock is taking over the tree. Bev, good luck with your oranges. Now, Tyrrell... You have got a question for Sabrina about your passion fruit. Good morning. No, it's not a question, oh. actually. We, uh, we were given some fantastic advice. I had listened to Sabrina. I'd fertilised it. We had, like the other lady, lots and lots of leaves, no fruit, driving mm-hmm. nuts, now two years old, Look, beautiful, beautiful foliage. And then a wonderful person said to me, um, strange as it may seem, Get some old bread, break it up in water, stick it around the roots, and guess what? Within a fortnight, I had flowers, and now it is full of fruit. Now, that's really interesting, Tyrrell, because I remember yeast, yeah. The yeast? Yep. Mm. Years ago, a market gardener, said the same thing, that he buried a whole pile of bread, sort of mouldy bread, uh, in the veggie garden and he reckons he, he had bumper crops. So I don't know if you need to actually bury... I don't know if you need the bread or if you just put the yeast in. I don't um, know, but all I know is that all of our old bread is now getting soaked and put underneath. If you've got animals around, <laughs> obviously, um, dig it in a little bit. I've got mine under yeah. some mulch. I just dig it in and cover it up. Yep. And yep. Uh, the creatures, including the possums, seem to leave it alone. And I just can't wait. I've got enormous, enormous well, fruit. That is and, fantastic. Um, so our other, yes. our other callers, that's what they should try. They're soaking their bread. Or even just trying yeast in the ground. I think it must just feed the microbes. This is where you're so brilliant, Sabrina. You have got people calling in, helping each other. Cyril has helped the previous caller. It's fantastic. A wonderful circle. Now, Terry has got a question about her olive tree in Margaret River. Good morning. Good morning. How are you going? Sorry, Terry. You've got a question for Sabrina. What is it? Yeah. Um, olive trees, uh, Sabrina, could you transplant them now or you wait a bit? Uh, I wouldn't transplant them if they're in full fruit because a lot of the olives are fruiting now. Um, you can transplant them any time of the year apart from midsummer. So if yours have fruit on it, Terry, you need to wait yep. until you've harvested the fruit and then transplant them midwinter. Yeah, there's no fruit, but they're close to a, a wall, like a, a retaining wall, and they've actually cracked it a bit. So they, I didn't oh, realize okay. they get so big. And oh, the yeah. other thing is, uh, thank you, and jacaranda, I've got three skinny branches coming off it, and it's not getting thicker, and it's getting yep. taller, and it's in the yep. front yard. Should I cut them right back? 
Well, I definitely take uh, a third off every one of those branches. You don't want to cut frangipani back too hard, um, but you can definitely take a third off and that will encourage a lot more shooting on those skinny little branches. Sabrina, Karen is in Kingsley and she's having some issues with her lawn. Karen, what's going on? Hi, Sabrina. I rang last week and sent a photo of my dog in. My lawn was dead, if you recall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's not because of my dog. Not because of my dog. No, um, no, no. Yeah. Anyway, a few, uh, I, the war, lawn is getting plenty of water. I was sitting outside right. a couple of days ago and I discovered grubs, which I believe are army oh, worms. Ah, oh, you've got army worms. They're so going to be really bad this year. what should I do? <laughs> Yeah. Now, there there is a drench that you will have to use for those because I remember the picture of your lawn, which looks like it's almost completely dead. Um, Karen, you're going to have to go to a nursery and tell them you've got lawn army worm. They are going to give you the drench to use. Uh, make sure that you don't water the lawn first. I can't give you the product name, but there's two products that are really effective. Um, so if you go to a nursery, say you want the pesticide for lawn army worm, they will give you the right stuff and you'll have to drench the entire area. We've only got a couple of minutes left. Let's quickly try and squeeze in a final question from Alyssa, who's in Geraldton. Alyssa, what did you want to ask? Good morning, ladies. Sabrina, I'm trying to buy a black-eyed Susan and I can't find one anywhere. Have you got any okay. suggestions? Yep. Now, Alicia, you will find black-eyed Susan in the in the pots where the, the little square squat pots that have herbs in them. So if you go to that area of a nursery, I know you're in Geraldton, but if you go to your nursery in Geraldton, they will order, because it's the, the same place they buy all their herbs from, in those squat yellow pots, that's where you find your black-eyed Susan. Good luck with that, Ailsa. I hope you managed to find it. Sabrina, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Kalgoorlie. Have My pleasure. Have a wonderful time up there, and I hope your talk goes really well. Thank you very much, Joe. Talk to you again soon. Now, just before I leave you for the news, I wanted to remind you that next Saturday, Rowanna will be joining you from Mirror Booker. Chris Parry will be there to tell you all about the hidden treasures of Mirror Booker. Molly, ABC producer, will take you inside the Vietnamese Senior Citizens Club. It's all happening at the square at the Mirabuka Shopping Centre from 8.30. So you can come down and meet Sabrina Hahn, ask her your questions in person. It's always wonderful to have a chance to meet Sabrina. So next Saturday, 8.30, Saturday breakfast coming to you from Mirror Booker Square. Right now, it's 10 o'clock. Thanks so much for your company. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Time for the news. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.